Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Heidi ho I'm Uno Clay from Philadelphia, and I support Gen X Grown Up on Patreon. In a world torn apart by angry pundits and ceaselessly acerbic news, the cheerful tone of Gen X Grown Up is always a welcome escape, not to mention endlessly entertaining and sometimes even informative. If you want to support the show too, click on genxgrownup.com slash Patreon and toss them a couple bucks. It's the guaranteed way to gain the respect of your peers and immediate promotions at work. Not guaranteed in all 50 states. Some employers may see fit to demote you and your peers will probably find you weird and distasteful. Results may vary. You are warned. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listeners, to this episode 119 of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I'm John. Joining me as always is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? Of course, you know that Mo is here. Hey, everybody. In this episode, we watch the latest and darkest cinematic take on The Dark Knight in <laughs> The Batman, review not one but two slick new home arcade machines from manufacturer Arcade 1UP, and our excitement is building for the crowdfunded <laughs> board game Return to Dark Tower, which is now shipping to backers like us. Hmm. It's not to say we have it yet, but we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to bury the lead right away. What are you doing? It's a tease. You want to know what's coming That's later? That's not all. a tease. You just told them what was coming later. You just stripped everything. Everything right off. You'll have plenty to say, I'm sure. I know you do. Nothing has been ruined. <laughs> That's absolutely true. <laughs> we'll have that and way more coming up later in the show. But first, it's time for some fourth listener email. And we've not heard from this fourth listener in a while. Stu Monkey wrote in again. Hey, how's it going, Hi. Stu? Hey, Stu Monkey. Uh, subject line of his email was swing with an exclamation point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's what he has to say. Yo, guys, catching up in a few of your podcasts, one particular car I was always fond of ah, from the movie and TV cars. Mm-hmm and was hopeful you'd mention was the Mirthmobile from Wayne's World. Uh, That's a good car. Now I understand the subject line. Was that like a pacer or something? I think it was a pacer, yes. Or a gremlin or a pacer, one of those. Something like this, yeah. It was a round blue bubble with flames on Mm -hmm. it and a licorice. That's all I remember. (laughs) A little bubbly hatchback thing, right? Yep. Uh, He says, perhaps a bit later reference for you Grand Poobah Gen Xers, but I love the mystique (laughs) to that car. I think that's Mo, Grand Poobah Gen Xers. Sure. Uh, And how many people packed in it, (laughs) not to mention the most iconic scene where they're headbanging to Bohemian Rhapsody, of course. Yeah. Yep. When did that movie come out? I feel like that was actually early 90s. That's, I think so, so that's too. probably why it wasn't on the list. Maybe we not. did yeah. 70s, 80s. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But it, it qualifies. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh he gets to what kind of car it is. Here we go. Personal favorite of mine. And if you saw a powder blue 76 AMC Pacer, you were right. <laughs> Driving down the road, it would definitely catch your eye. Well, yeah, yeah yep. catch your eye because those are the ones that get hit in the back and exploded. Yeah. <laughs> 
thought that was the ball pinto. of fire. Is that a pinto? Well, probably pacer, pacer also. Maybe, but I don't been. know. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> They're still combustible. No question. Yeah. Uh, Stu Monkey goes on to say one more nostalgia car reference, which I thought relevant was the 80s car bed. I believe Rick Schroeder from Silver Spoons had one. It was every kid's dream to have one. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know yeah, what, but uh, certainly not a car, but it is car inspired. I mean, like, sure. are we going to start saying, oh, I wanted a car phone when I was in the 80s. So that should have been in the podcast. <laughs> they did have the Corvette phone, actually. That's a true. I that's, know. That's, that's actual yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said it was, it was a dream for him, but he never got the chance. If you happen to meet anyone who had the bed, it was like you instantly wanted to sleep over and crash in it, too. I <laughs> did buy one for my son. Did you? Really? Did you sleep in it? Or? <laughs> did you sleep in I it? I did lay in it the first night. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stu Monkey, verified. We can't confirm. <laughs> he wraps it up with the uh, one of our favorite salutations. May the fourth listener be with you, Stu Monkey. Thank you, Stu. Oh, very cool. <laughs> we love it. Every time the fourth listener writes in, if you'd like your email feature here on the show, it's easy. Just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. Read every single one, and most of them, like Stu Monkey's, eventually make the show. All right, it's time to jump into the body of this episode right after this break. Stick around. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show too. It helps more than you know. Fruit bars, fruit bars, fruit corners, fruit bars. There's no stopping fruit bar popping. You can be bops, but you let your taste buds sing. Smash from real fruit and other good things. Fruit corners, fruit bars. What a smashing new idea in fruit. Fruit corners, fruit bars. Fruit a smashing bars. new idea in fruit. It's time to kick off the show talking about media that we have been consuming. It uh, could be, of course, television or comics or movies or books or whatever. And I teased at the top of the show, I'm not going to waste any time jumping right into talking about The Batman, the latest incarnation of the Dark Knight from DC Comics. And first, let me make sure, I think we all three have seen it, right? Yes. I know, George, you have. Mo, okay, oh, yeah. I've seen it as well. Yes. Okay, good. Uh, it's very new. We're going to try to be as spoiler-free as we can. We're not talking about major plot points, but we do have stuff to say about The Batman. Yes. And I think you were technically looking forward to this last time, Mo, mm -hmm. but you have something else on the list. So I'm going to get started by yeah, saying please. that I'm going to go ahead and lay it out there. I said Robert Pattinson was going to be a good Batman, maybe a great Batman. I heard you a did. lot of people told me you're full of crap. No way. <laughs> what about these other people? And I was everything? one of those people. <laughs> you I were. Been yeah. Too, George. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not convinced Pattinson is my favorite Batman, but I think this film is my favorite Batman film, and he's mm. probably my number two Batman. And okay. I, I want to hear what you guys have to say about that in particular, but in general, the film... For me, it was great because it shows Gotham as torn up and gritty as you've ever seen it. It's an yes. absolute cesspool. It's not just Metropolis at night, right? It's super gritty and dirty. Yeah. You get to see the early days of Batman. I think he's taking, was he by two years he's been at it at this point. He's a really young guy. Something like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's early on in the, uh, the tenure of him being the Batman. And he's not even sure if he's doing any good or not. He's mm -hmm. very second guessing himself. 
the way that he's able to act, and there's a single scene that I'm not going to call out what the scene is, but there's a scene where he is him and another guy between a pane of glass listening to what he believes is happening. He makes a revelation that what he assumed was not happening. You can see the revelation in his eyes and the cowl. All you're seeing is his mouth and his eyes. And he was able to convey emotion and thoughtfulness and concern and all that through just that little bit of sliver of his face that you can see. And that shows me what you do when you put a really good actor. I mean, people love to say, oh, he was the Twilight guy. He's the sparkly vampire. He was, but I had seen. (laughs) Yeah, but he's been in so many other like art house films and stuff that he's redeemed himself here, especially for everyone. But he has for me. He's redeemed himself from a multi-million dollar franchise. (laughs) But he was a sparkly (laughs) damn vampire. Yeah. uh, yeah. Aren't you ashamed of all the money that you made, Robert? No, he's not. No, he's not. (laughs) I don't want to go too much deeper because of the spoilers. But if I had to rate it, I would say three hours long. Even so, I never went to the bathroom, but I was it's like four and a half tokens for me, maybe. Man, I really enjoyed this, Batman. Mo, I see you're chomping at the bit. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a really good movie. I think mm-hmm. that the two things I really liked about it was how brutal Batman was, especially at the beginning. Yeah, you know, when he mm-hmm. fights people, it, it wasn't like the, oh, I'm going to be this martial. No, he's just beating the crap out of people. Mm-hmm. And I yep. have to admit, this Batmobile may be one of my favorite Batmobiles. But, yep, yep. <laughs> it's a it muscle car. It's cool. badass. It was yeah. badass. But yeah, no, I agree with uh, pretty much what you said. I think it was super, super dark that there was no lightness at all in this movie. Mm. Even when he was Bruce Wayne, he was still basically Batman. Mm. It wasn't like he did that whole personality switch or anything else like that. So I liked it. I don't know if it's, I'll say it's my favorite Batman, but it was definitely a very, very good Batman film. Mm. Okay. George, what do you think? Uh, solid, solid effort. One of my favorite Batman films of all time. I've said for years that my favorite Batman in person actor playing him during the Burton era was absolutely Michael Keaton. I felt he mm-hmm. had the best blend of yeah. the two characters. Yeah, yeah. Then Christian Bale came out and knocked it out of the park. I thought he was even like another level above Keaton with both of those roles. So they're both two iconic actors that are very difficult to live up to. I think what happened with this Batman film, and I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, as we've said, this super closely related itself to my favorite DC film of all time. And that's why this is really close for me for DC films. This felt like an extension of the world of Joaquin Phoenix's The Joker. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah. felt very similar to me. So you much see the so, same place, actually. Yeah, I really yeah. Ex- almost halfway expected a credit scene with him popping up at the <laughs> right. end. Oh, that oh man. Oh, my the God. That would have exploded. Yeah. <laughs> right, because... Uh, those two worlds, they were so bleak. The characters yeah. are so broken. They're so yeah. twisted. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. about them makes you reach out and want to hug them, but being grossed <laughs> out by the idea at the same time. Right. Mm. Yeah. And I think that in this film, what we got to see was even though characters were on good side and bad side, mm-hmm. they were all pretty goddamn similar as far as it wasn't a very thick yeah. line between the two. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We know that this film from the preview, so we're not spoiling anything, it's mainly a Batman Riddler story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. those two characters and those two actors in particular, oh. holy yeah. hell did those young men knock it out mm-hmm. of the park. Jesus Christ. I don't know if it's writing directing the set design the actor it's all of it for me 
This is my second favorite DC film of all time next to the Joker. And it's really close. And you're talking actors. Can we just all bow at the feet of Jeffrey Wright as the new commissioner Mm -hmm. Gordon? You and I were talking about that. I said, (laughs) holy hell. Goodness. As Gordon and not even commissioner Gordon. No, he's not commissioner Gordon. That's right. Lieutenant Gordon. Lieutenant or something. Yeah. Early on. Oh my God. Especially, I don't want to use this as a spoiler scene, but there's one little scene where Batman and and Gordon are kind of, I want to say they're play acting for an audience a little bit. Mm. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And Jeffrey Wright leans in to Batman as part of that play acting and whispers some instructions. Oh, yes. Just just the way he did it, the physicality of his body stance when he did that and how he worked that whole scene. I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. And just like you, John, three and a half hours, no bathroom, no falling asleep. And I was tired. I only slept for like, like four hours that <laughs> night before. I guess Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. Oh, mm-hmm. oh let's best not forget Catwoman that. ever. Let's not forget that. Yep. I, just, I just want to make sure we don't. I want to make sure we bring that up because she also, I think, knocked it out of the park. Yeah, she is a tremendous actress. Yeah, she has done a lot of great roles in her time. She was even in an X Men film and was by far the best part of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could fill a whole show talking about this film. I'm sure. Maybe we will at a later yeah. time when it's not spoiler fodder. Yeah. Uh, two things I will say is one, I thought it was a great detective film that also happened to mm-hmm. be a Batman movie yeah. so it had that grounding yeah. that if you had stripped the Batmaniness out of it it would still have been a great <laughs> like whodunit which been great it would have been like seven. Seven who done it yes would have no, been like no. seven and the other thing lest we just totally heap praise on it the one criticism i will make of this batman is that I felt that his Batman and his Bruce Wayne were too similar. Is like, oh, maybe the millionaire who's brooding and dark and upset all the time and has unlimited money and free time might be the brooding dark superhero that's exactly acting the same all the time. You kind of want to have him put on a little bit of a facade, a little bit of a mask, a little more upbeat. I know that doesn't play to the grittiness of the film, but I would have liked to see him a little different as Bruce Wayne than just kind of be Batman without the eye makeup and cowl. It just felt too identical like they would have figured it out. But that yeah, that's that's the thing you and I talked about, John, too, before mm-hmm. this podcast. We, you know, you made that point. It's a it's a valid point. For me, it just felt like that that world is so broken and dark that that nuance would have been lost on the people that inhabited that world. You're right, right. We noticed it, but they probably don't because yeah, everybody exactly. feels because like that. Like that. Yeah. Right. right. Maybe if he was upbeat, that would have seemed weird. And then there was yeah. no happy people. Yeah. It was even I yeah. mean, uh what's his name that played um the butler? Um you Alfred, know Gollum. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, Gollum, yeah. He just even he and that butler is generally a more positive character in the Batman life. He's caring and he was broken too. Yeah. All yeah. of them were yeah. broken. Yeah, Al, you're about Alfred played by Andy Circus. Yeah. Andy yeah. Circus. Yep. There you yeah. go. Yeah. 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 He, he yeah. Yeah. so much I could say. Great <laughs> film. I, I really loved it. If you haven't seen it, it's worth seeing. If you don't like Batman films, if you don't like superhero films. This is not like a franchise you had to catch up on. You can start from zero with this Batman and enjoy it as a film that also happens to be Batman. So yeah. I highly recommend it. I think from all three of us from the whole GXG squad. Good film. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's move on from Batman, lest I keep talking for another 40 minutes. George, what have you been checking out other than Batman? Uh, you know, I've been clued into a new HBO show that came out. Hmm. It's only had a couple of episodes at this point. It's called Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Oh, yeah. I heard hmm. of this. Yeah. So for John... 
and anybody <laughs> like him who are not sports guys who who's a sports idiot yes, want to okay. know how the basketball ball game went last night in the late 70s the nba was really on a downward spiral it was expected to go bankrupt anytime oh yeah I remember uh, that. teams were having hard time it was very much like what you see in the movie semi-pro that was what was really happening to the nba at that oh. point <laughs> Like, okay, you know, no fans in the stands, bears in a cage match, all that kind of crazy. (laughs) And there were two groups going on. You know, there was the NBA and they had just absorbed the ABA, which is the you know main part of that movie. Anyway, what ended up happening in 79 were two gentlemen, two young men from college took the national sports stage of basketball, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. Mm -hmm. They played each other in the national championship game. Magic Johnson ended up winning that game. Larry Bird's team got second. They lost that game. So both of those men came out for the NBA draft that year. Larry Bird went to the Boston Celtics. Mm -hmm. Magic Johnson went to the Lakers. And this story is a docudrama series about that rebirth of the Lakers. Because what many people don't remember is it wasn't just the first year that Magic Johnson came to the Lakers. It was also the year that Dr. Jerry Buss bought the Lakers. Was it really? Yes. I didn't know that. Okay. It was the same year. And I, I'm looking at the stunned look on John's face right now. He's like, Dr. Jerry Buss. Not Jerry Buss. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So Jerry Buss is most famous for essentially revitalizing the Laker franchise and turning it okay. into the dynasty that it became in the 80s and early 90s before Jordan and the Bulls took over. Mm-hmm. So Jerry Buss. He was this real estate mogul who was also a doctor, and he leveraged everything he had, essentially, to buy the Lakers. He overextended himself and just Mm -hmm. kept going on, took on Red Auerbach and the Celtics, and turned a perennial loser at that point. They had played the Lakers like seven times in the NBA playoffs and only won once. Mm. So he took that team and turned them into the dynasty that we know now, the Magic Johnson, the Kareem Mm Abdul-Jabbar, all of those guys that came after them. It was all because of Jerry Buss, really. So this series is focused on that transformation. All the characters are there. You got your Jerry Buss, who John is played by one of your favorites, John C. Riley. Oh, Rick Ralph. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. John may watch it. Now I'm listening. (laughs) (laughs) It has some other people. Uh, Michael Chiklis plays Red Arrowback, Mm -hmm. which is fun and interesting. And then most of the other people are people that you might half recognize as like uh, supporting actors and other character actors and like, yeah, Uh good, good series. I didn't think I was going to like it at first because I first wanted to watch the series because I thought it was a straight documentary series. Yeah. When I found out it wasn't, I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this. They're just going to ham it up for the camera and do all this ridiculous. Man, these are some compelling actors. These stories are well written. It does tell you at the beginning that some things have been modified and changed mm-hmm. for dramatic license, okay. as it would. But yeah. it's a solid series if you enjoy sports or if you're at all interested in seeing how a sports iconic culture came to be. Hmm. Okay. And this, you said it's the winning time. And where is it playing? Did you know? Yeah, it's playing on HBO. 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 Yeah. All right. The Max. 
Very nice. All right, yeah. the winning time. Okay. Mo, how about you? Let's round it out. What have you been checking out? So, uh, yeah, there's a new show. So, yeah, this show is being done by a guy who's like, I don't think he could do any wrong anymore, but Taika Watiti. Well, you just assigned him to Council Culture real quick. Something's going to come out. Some tweet that he made 16 <laughs> years ago is yeah. going to come out. He's going to get not. I really hope not. He's going to get in trouble. Because he, he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> so. Let me just say that you almost don't have to say anything else about this show you watch because you said Taika Watiti, and now I'm interested. But please interested. do proceed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw the title of it when you put it on the card, and I'm like, what the hell is that? Now you yes. say this guy, I'm like, damn it, now I got mm-hmm. something else I yep. got to watch. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, so the title of the show is Our Flag Means Death. <laughs> so basically, here's the synopsis. is The year is 1717. Wealthy landowner Steed Bonnet has a midlife crisis and decides to blow up his cushy life to become a pirate, and it doesn't go well. So flag means pirate flag. So is it a comedy? It's a comedy. Totally a comedy. It's got to be a comedy. Here's the best part of this opening line, based on a true story. (laughs) (laughs) Really? So, yeah. So they're dropping episodes like in batches, I think. I think there's like eight of them out right now. I saw the first few, and this is a great show. Mm. What TT plays actually he plays Blackbeard oh yeah oh, he's in it okay, okay. Yeah, so it. this is a Caribbean pirate yes show absolutely because mm. I was wondering if he based it on something from his home country Oh, no, no, no. This is definitely like mm. the colonial day pirates, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Nice. The thing he does really well with like all his work is that he just builds like really, really great characters. Yes. And you watch the first couple of episodes and they they all very quirky and you think that's all there is to it. And as you watch it, people just get more and more layers and get more like developed. And every episode is better than the one before. They're short. I think they're like maybe, I think they're a half hour, 40 minute episode. So they're pretty easy to digest. But let me mm-hmm. tell you, this thing is hilarious. I mean, the guy who's playing a pirate has no idea how to be a pirate. Zero concept of how to do it. And we were talking earlier, this is the show you were talking about. The pirate is played by Reese Darby, right? The yeah. guy who was the he was the manager on Flight of the Concords, Concords. character yep. actor. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. He He's great. He can make oh, it. He is great. And Watiti, Jesus. I mean, to show you how little he knows, like he pays his pirates a salary. <laughs> <laughs> Because he thinks that you can get better work if you motivate them properly. Da, 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 da. He, <laughs> and he reads them stories at night. I mean, it's it's just so funny. And so, like, the fact that he, like, reads stories. The guy's like, well, I can read stories. He says, yeah, but you don't do the voices. He does the voices. I mean, it's the like, voices. It's, like, really funny. It's, it's definitely going to be a, a show I think is going to be, like, one of these, like, classic shows. Because it is just great. And... The quality, the craftsmanship, everything about the show just makes it a must-watch. He makes such well. He did what we do in the shadows. I mean, yeah. I've tried TV series. He's done tons of stuff, but television yeah, yeah. shows. He did what we do in the shadows, the vampire yep. thing, and then we had the Reservation Dogs, which yeah. was directed by him. That was uh, all the kids on the Indian Reservation, right? And mm-hmm. then and now this thing, there people just shoveling money at him because he, he yeah. everything he touches turns to gold, and this sounds like another winner. It absolutely oh, man. is, and it has like a little bit of a Mighty Python-ish kind of feel to it, which I like. Like, oh, I mean, the wow. comedy is just sort of like, you know, a little irreverent comedy, you know, like just push that little edge a little bit. But yeah, it's a great right, show. Twist my arm. <laughs> okay. And, and our flag means death. And did you say where it was also? Uh, or is it HBO airing? Max also. HBO Max. Okay. Yep. Wow. All right. Well, I think last time we talked about these things, they were all garbage, the last show, and now they're all <laughs> yeah, winners this yeah, time around. <laughs> we turned it around this time. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Mo. We'll be back right after the break. We're getting some tech and toys. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Hey kids, I know a secret magic number. Dial this number and just like magic, you'll hear adventure stories, scary stories, funny stories, all kinds of stories. Better ask your mom first. But you have to know the secret magic number for Storyfoam. Write it down. We don't want everyone to have it. How do you get that number? Write the number down, kids. It's 976-3636. I am so excited about this Tekken Toys because I know me and John, we have some pretty cool stuff to talk about. Okay. George, yep. I'm not sure what the hell yours is, so why don't you start us off? <laughs> okay. Well, what an intro. Set, Set it up. me up for success. There we go. Well, I mean, you know, John's is obvious. I, I just don't, I'm hoping yours will just surprise me and I'll be like, this is amazing. Well, so I don't do you know got? why mine isn't obvious. It's something we've talked about oh, on I the get podcast it. I know in the about. past. Yeah, I read. So what it is for Mo and anybody else out there <laughs> isn't Mo. paying attention. It's a front end loader for all of your games. It's called a launch box. John and mm-hmm. I have had it for a number of years now. I know I have the lifetime subscription, John, I think mm-hmm. you do as well. Yes, and it's not indeed. a terribly expensive one. I think it's like 60 bucks for the lifetime or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And you get two different front ends. You get one called launch box and you get the mm-hmm. other one called big box, which is like, you know, when you take and you make steam into the big picture mode, mm-hmm. it's kind of right. that same thing. It's okay. like graphically driven, meant to drive with a controller and no keyboard at all. Exactly. Or right? Yeah. So uh, we've had it for a long time. I have gone back and forth on trying to get it set up, mostly to run my MAME uh, ROMs, mm-hmm. uh, because you can just load MAME and run your ROMs from that, but it's mm-hmm. it's kind of ugly. It's very ugly. It's not a really pretty interface. It doesn't do a lot yeah. to grab the files that you might want graphics and videos and whatnot. I mean, it runs the game. That's about the most you can say about it. Yeah. The default meme looks like a 1991 Alta Vista webpage. It's like <laughs> yeah. really bad. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what LaunchBox does is it pretties that whole experience up. It does a little bit like what Plex does for us for TVs and movies. It okay. scrapes okay. all the images that might be out there, uh, logos from your games, uh, just videos that you might want to play as you're looking Mm -hmm. through your games, all kinds of fun stuff. But my particular problem has always been that it never really wanted to run my ROMs. I could never quite get it set up properly. So what did I do? I said, Hey John, uh, can you help me set up LaunchBox <laughs> to run my main It's really my go-to, yeah. <laughs> it was a birthday gift. You said, your birthday gift to me can be, help yeah. me get this shit working, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, so we, we finally were able to get together. I installed the 
everything cleanly on my new uh, gaming PC. And we were extremely pleasantly surprised that LaunchBox mm-hmm. has completely upped its game from the last time either one of us really looked at it. So now when you want to import your ROMs and create your main platform and everything, there's a wizard that's essentially like five clicks and it's done. Nice. You don't have to do any extra configuration. You just say mm-hmm. import full ROM set and you tell it which main you're And the one thing that John and I discovered, it not only says, okay, I'll import all these things. It says, okay, you want MAME 2.41 or whatever. Mm -hmm. As part of the process, it goes out and downloads and installs it for you. Oh, nice. Yeah, the actual emulator. I was stunned because we had done it manually first and we're like, well, we didn't need to do that. It did it for us. Really solid. Now, John, I did learn one thing um, mm. in reaching out through the Launchbox forums. You remember how when we got done, I have a little over like 10,000 ROMs, but it was only showing like 2,800. Right. Well, that's in particular because of the importer we used where it said full ROM set. Ah. Launchbox, they take that to mean what MAME says are working ROMs. I see. So anything that's designated as working gets included. Mm -hmm. Right. Anything that's not designated as working doesn't get included in that. But it means that those could be working, right? It just means that they haven't been like fully verified or something. Yeah. They they could be kind of working. They could be working enough for us, but not enough for the main team. We could still enjoy them. Okay. So you were able to turn that on or switch that toggle so you could get more Uh, of them in? Well, you don't switch a toggle. You do have to re-import. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to re-import without that uh, full ROM set wizard. Okay. That it doesn't differentiate. Exactly. So, and the nice thing is, one of the other things that I've done since then is I've configured this for some other platforms like my Epic Game Store games. You can also configure it for Steam. You can configure it for, was it Origin? EA Origin now? Yeah. You can configure it for all these and all of the Wizards, John, are just as simple as the one we saw for me. Wow. So it's a single launcher for everything. Yeah, that's what it can be. And we've wow. looked yep. at single launcher platforms yeah. before, John. What was the yeah. one that you had from Grand Old Games? Remember that? Yeah, the, the Galaxy 2 launcher, right? Yeah. The Galaxy launcher, which is good, but it's also a storefront for them, whereas LaunchBox yeah. is just a standalone application that is agnostic about where you're getting your games or how you're doing them. And it's actually, Galaxy is not natively designed for emulation, or wasn't at the time we looked at it. It might be right. now, but LaunchBox, it, they've been on top of their game with regular updates and feature improvements. And, and they do great tutorial videos on YouTube uh, through their channel. And the guy who has another channel called ETA Prime, he's mm-hmm. the one that does all their videos for them. So they're very clear and concise Quality. and informative. Yep. There's a lot of information out there to help you with this process. I just wanted to talk about it because of the birthday gift of John and I setting it back up. And I thought (laughs) it would be interesting for the listeners to revisit something that's changed dramatically over the last couple of years. Nice. You get a lot of use out of it? I have. I've played quite a few games. I've also discovered that I need to re-download some ROMs because there's some <laughs> mm-hmm. that just don't work. There's yeah. some interesting things that it does with version playing where you can right click on the ROM and play the different versions. When it's in the big box mode, it actually allows a control set to let you look at the different versions. You can set defaults for those versions. So there's a oh, lot good. to do with it now. Right. I, like I want the fast version of Miss Pac-Man. I always do that by default kind of thing. That's cool. Yeah. Smart. Does it do all the, um, the controller configuration, all that stuff too? Is that part of this? So yes and no. It does have configuration for controller support. However, what's going to be the most important thing for you is whatever emulation platform you're using, right? So you're still going to have to configure stuff inside of MAME. Okay. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make a front end for that configuration because that's what happens once you're inside the game. Right. I'm with you. 
Okay. I want to get Daphne running. That's the next one that I'm mm. working on. Mm. And so I'll let you know Thayer's if that quest. one does it. Yeah. My guess is that it'll be same as Maine. Gotcha. So that's pretty awesome. So, John. Yes. Your thing is pretty cool. What do you got? Uh, yeah, it's easy. It's easy to knock out. So <laughs> Arcade One Up makes these home arcade machines. You'll mm-hmm. remember two years ago, I bought the very first Partycade, which is the one you hang on the wall, a right. skinny one. And it was a train wreck. Like it couldn't perform Galligate full speed. It turned into a seven part <laughs> right. series on YouTube. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Very beneficial for us on YouTube because we've got lots of views, but not beneficial if you want to play Pac-Man properly because it just wasn't right. <laughs> Ultimately, after over a year of working on that thing, it turned out being okay. And uh, it's it's if you haven't seen one, I think everyone's seen Arcade One Up by now. But it's they're selling boxes that run original arcade games. Mm-hmm. In this case, Pac-Man, Galaga, Galaxium. But since that pain, I had kind of sworn off a lot of Arcade One Up stuff because I really don't need a bunch of big boxes to play games that we can play otherwise. However, <laughs> there is one particular game that I always felt if they produced a machine that had this built with proper controls, I would be interested. Mm-hmm. The game is Defender Ugh. because it has one joystick and like seven buttons, one for thrust, one for reverse, yeah. smart bombs, hyperspace, and they're laid out in a specific way. And if you emulate that game, you can map it to your controller, but then if you ever stand in front of a real Defender arcade machine, you still can't play because you don't know where the <laughs> buttons are, right? right? Right. Well, they had just put out, right at the end of last year, a Defender-themed partycade. Uh, this is another one of those thin boxes that are designed to hang over your door or on a wall or stand up on a table, mm-hmm. and a full 17-inch screen, and it has lots of games. It has, you know, it has Defender, and it has Joust and Rampage and stuff, but the Defender it has, the layout on the control deck is exactly, with a little creative license, exactly the layout for Defender. And I picked this thing up. I found it on discount for only a little over $200. It's normally like $300. Posted a video on YouTube, which you can go and look and see even more about. But I'm so happy that I didn't totally give up on Arcade 1-Up because this thing <laughs> turned out to be pretty damn cool. I've actually gotten better at Defender already. <laughs> so, John, I want to ask a question. Yeah. Okay. So, I have no money. I'm broke, so I won't be buying oh. this anytime <laughs> soon. Right. However, that's not a question. I am interested because <laughs> Arcade 1-Up, you said, makes arcade cabinets, right? Everybody mm-hmm. knows yeah. that that's mm-hmm. what they're known for. However, you used a word to describe this called partycade. Yeah, I did. And I would like you to describe to the listeners, because I think it's important, the different variations that Arcade 1-Up Fair puts point. out yeah. for those systems. Sure. Yeah, thanks. So the majority of what you've probably seen are their three-quarter scale arcade cabinets, which look like an old classic arcade machine, but it's downsized by 25%. Right. They even put they provide risers. So at least they'll be tall enough. Mm-hmm. So you, have to, you don't have to be a, a child to play them. You can actually <laughs> right. stand up. Uh, but otherwise, they're perfectly three quarters scale with you know, a little bit of variation. They have a lot of weird, crazy ones. But the main ones are a countercade that they did, which is kind of a like a jumbo version of those little tabletop kind of my arcade basic fun kind of deals. Uh, they're much larger, like a 10 inch screen or so. Uh, they're maybe like 12, 13 inches tall. Uh, and then the partycade, uh, which I mentioned, that's what we're talking about here, that Defender. And it's very thin. It's maybe only four or five inches thin, but it's about three and a half foot tall and about two foot wide. So you have essentially just the play area and the screen and a marquee. 
and the game, right? And so those are the different variations. And the one I picked up here was Defender. And I speak to the marquee. This one has a lighted marquee. It's backlit, which that old Pac-Man nice. didn't. And it's gorgeous. It's right in your face. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. And it's it's one that I had so much fun reviewing it and playing with it and continuing to play with it. That it, it always happens. I find myself going, oh, what else are they putting out soon that I might be interested? <laughs> I don't need more of them, right? But this was one Defender especially that the controls are so unique that in order to play it right, you really need some bespoke hardware that has the buttons in the right place. Mm -hmm, And this mm -hmm. does. And I finally feel like I'm learning what the hell I'm doing with Defender. So we'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested. Yeah. One thing I'll say about Defender is one of those games that I always saw at the arcade, but never wanted to invest the quarters to get good at it. (laughs) Like my brother was amazing at it. The first time he played that game, he was just understood it. He got it. Meanwhile, me, I'm watching people fall to their deaths everywhere or turn into alien mutants. And it is just a stress game for me. So I never got into it. It's a notoriously hard arcade game. Yeah. Something I read said it wasn't uncommon for new players to die in 30 seconds after putting a quarter in. Just, yeah, I mean, that was me. All three lives dead. Yeah, was sure. <laughs> John, there's one other fact about this uh, Defender Partycade that you mentioned in the YouTube video, but you haven't mentioned here yet. And that's the extra games that come on this unit, because mm-hmm. most of us know one of the things Arcade 1-Up is known for is giving you the same games over and over yeah. and over. And over. I've got a couple of their countercades and there's like one game difference between the two of them. Yep. That's a fantastic point. The other thing that was really attractive about this cabinet, that it wasn't Defender plus Pac-Man, Galaga, Galaxian, mm-hmm. Dig Dug, right? Which are great games, but I have them in 20 different units now, right? Right. This had a collection of things that, while not unique to this machine, having them together in one thing. So I mentioned it has Joust. It has Root Beer Tapper. It has Gauntlet. <laughs> nice. It has Rampage. It has Clax, that puzzle game where the like the, the blocks are coming toward you oh, and you yeah. have to stack them. Uh, Gorf, for heaven's sake. I love Gorf. Oh, my God. Wizard of War and Sinistar. The one where you're yep. blasting the rocks and getting the little nuggets. Oh, to, yeah, to, that was a, oh, that was oh a man. One. And I haven't seen, certainly not together, but this is a collection of games because it's it's Williams games that were now Midway owns Williams. So it's called a Midway 40th anniversary. These are all Midway slash Williams titles. And to have them together in this unit, and they're not hurt by the fact that the control deck is Defender, it translates really well because those other ones are very versatile. Defender is the only one that's very specific. Cool. Well worthwhile. So that was something I picked up from Arcade 1-Up. The odd thing is, Mo, you also, found something from this company after we'd almost swore them off entirely. Oh, Tell yeah, us what kidding. you found. So it was the Arcade 1-Up Atari Legacy 3 quarter. This is like one of the three-quarter scale <sighs> cabinets. Ah, the one okay. that looks like Tempest. It's yes. so pretty. Oh, it looks so nice. <laughs> so it's a Tempest model then. Yes. Okay, I was, I was trying to picture what Atari Legacy would look like Graphic. Oh, yeah. Mm. And it has the backlit marquee and all that mm. stuff. But let me tell you, you look go to RK1 up, those things are going for 450 bucks. I mean, yeah. and I was mm-hmm. like, I could not pull the trigger on that. I said, that's just way no. too much money. It's tough. And of all places, I saw an ad from Kohl's <laughs> of all stores. <laughs> like the clothing store? Yes. <laughs> Arcade One Up does a lot of stuff with them. Yeah. So mm, like, here's wow. what I got. So it was $50 off. So it was $350 right. with the riser and free shipping. Mm. Oh. That's. The risers usually like sixty or eighty yeah. bucks, I think. Yeah, the three quarter cabinets—they're like you said, Mo four fifty. I've seen them as high as like four ninety nine oh, yeah. and five ninety nine, even sometimes mm-hmm. when they yep. come out. So this one, you know, with tax, it was like you know three eighty total, and I was like, oh, that's. 
I could do this. <laughs> so you're like, oh no, that's a good price. Damn it, I'm gonna. Yeah, have to I, buy it. I was like, oh, it's below 400. So yeah, so I got it. This thing is great. It's, it's Atari Legacy, so it has like a lot of the vector graphics games, like Asteroids, Asteroids Deluxe, Tempest, of course. Um, it also has things like Major Havoc. Remember that one? Oh, I love Major Havoc. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, it has a trackball and a spinner. So oh. it's all the games that use those two things. So that's it has like nice. centipede, millipede. No, it doesn't have a joystick. But again, I'm okay with that because I got 12 games I really like on here, at least or mostly of like. <laughs> I did a video, like a little review of what I thought of it, uh, which I think mm-hmm. is out now already. It is, and yeah. I love this thing. <laughs> the sound on it is great. You play Asteroids, you get that thump, thump, you know, the heartbeat sound. That's important. You got mm-hmm. that when you play this game. And something you mentioned before, I think on the uh, the Pong one that you did, John, that the mm-hmm. volume yeah, the is no longer game. like low, medium, high. You have like 15 levels of volume that you could adjust. So when you put up the 15, that thing is loud, which is awesome. I can't believe how well they're improving just the general oh. presentation and yeah. the software around the games. That's I was stunned with, I think I began my video saying what a difference two years can make. From the first one I got to now, yeah. so much more polished. I was much more impressed. Oh, yeah. I mean, and this thing, you know, it comes like flat box and like I said, it's kind of like putting together a piece of Ikea furniture, but <laughs> it just is like, it's solid. The riser just goes perfectly with the whole cabinet. I love this thing. I've been playing the crap out of it. <laughs> the one thing that interests me where you're talking about, Mo, is the controller configuration. You're talking mm-hmm. about a spinner and a uh, trackball, and I'm yep. assuming a few buttons. Yeah, for uh, different buttons. Uh, so it seems to me that this could be a purpose conversion kit I later know. on if you chose to, yeah. specifically <laughs> for games like Centipede and Tempest and things like that, that you could put a cheap Raspberry Pi in, get even more than your 12 games that you got with this thing. And as long as those two controls are good ones. Now, that's they the are. thing I want to know. Yeah. Is the spinner, does it feel weighty? Does the trackball feel smooth? I would say they're not as good as the arcade ones. Okay, okay. the ones you get in the arcade. But... They're pretty damn good. Yeah, and you're only spinning 380. Yeah, exactly. And when I play it, mm. I mean, I don't sit there and think, oh, I wish it was heavy. You know, if I spin it and I think about it, I'm like, yeah, this could be, this could have some more weight behind it. You know, like when I play Tempest, you know, you're going to spin it, you want like that thing to keep going for a while. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so maybe you got to do a little more work there. But other than that, I said, I am completely happy with it and with how the controls work. Well, there's another $400 I'm going to feel bad <laughs> about. Well, next time I see one of these deals, I'll definitely pass it on because they said, I saw that one. I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, thanks, pal. Thanks yeah. for passing on the great deals. That's all we need. Exactly. Can we leave this segment now so I'm not completely bankrupt? <laughs> Jesus. Yes, please, let's quickly before it costs me $500. We'll be back right after the break. Right. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. Oozes came from Waikusa Valley as friends for Cabbage Patch Kids and your girls and boys. Bringing luck and joy, Akusa cheers you up on a gloomy day. And does such funny things, cause Kusas like to play. And Kusas are curious. They think that they can read. Akusa likes a cookie too, but hugs are what they really need. Now Kusas have their own care center, sold separately. ID callers carry the names you give them, so have fun and cuddle up. Cuddle up with Akusa. 
This is the main event of the podcast for the three in attendance locally and the millions listening around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! Man, it feels like the entire damn podcast has either been Batman or video games, but we still have this one last game segment to talk about yep. stuff. Oh, yeah. Now, John and I have something that we're going to talk about together in just a minute. But before mm. we get there, John, I know you have something individually that you want to talk about, which is kind of an older board game, right? It absolutely is. Yeah. So George, you may remember uh, if you bothered to listen when you were on vacation way back in 2018, oh, man. you were on holiday, you weren't available for the podcast and MC Mer sat in. He spoke oh. with us. Oh, Right? Yeah, those were the lost episodes for me. Yeah, I didn't listen to any of them. <laughs> okay. Those episodes are dead to George. Right? But, but it, our friend MC Murr sat in and he helped us out. And the backtrack we did while you were on vacation was about vintage board games. Mm. And he specifically mentioned this one I'd never heard of. It's from 1987. It's called Elixir. Ooh, I don't know this. Okay, yeah. sounds dungeon crawly a little bit. To it me. is kind yeah. of potion making. Yeah, so when Murr was on the show, here's what he had to say about it. There are a handful of very rare board games out there that were published by TSR, one of which was one of our family favorites. It's one of those that we just happened to pick up then, but is very difficult to find now. TSR's Elixir, a wacky wizard's race to brew crazy potions. So you've got this board game, you've got four different <laughs> yeah, so he was on the show. He talked about that game. He couldn't speak highly enough about it. But now, based on his recommendation, I went straight to eBay and I said, let's see, Elixir, Elixir, oh, hell no. Well, okay. <laughs> let's say you went straight to eBay. That was two years ago or four yeah. years ago. When was that? that was, yeah, it's almost four years ago now. Yeah, it was oh, four wow. years. Yep. Yeah. So this game goes for hundreds of dollars complete really? and new wow. or, or, or good condition. As he said, it was created by TSR, the people who did Dungeons and Dragons. Right. So of course, it's going to be kind of uh, RPG-ish in a way. But a couple of weekends ago, I drove down to Orlando for a toy show. And while there, you walk around and see what people have. I spotted on a guy's table, he had a copy of Elixir. It oh. looked pretty good. Okay. Oh. And I said, well, is it complete? And he says, yeah. And he opens the lid and it looks like chaos. It looks like somebody, a hurricane <laughs> blew through that board. Nothing was wrapped, nothing. So I couldn't even really inventory it. He wanted 60 bucks for it. We talked a little bit. I actually messaged MC Murr. I said, what do you think it's worth? I sent him a picture. I got it down to $45. I brought home my own copy of Elixir. And when I got home, I sat down, I sorted it out. Uh -huh. It is complete to the piece. Everything is there. Oh, you know wow. how instructions, they'll list, oh, we have four of these and three of these and two of those. Everything was there. I wow. was tickled to death about that. I figured something would be missing, but no. So I got a chance to give this a play, and it is exactly what MC Murr said. You are a wacky wizard. You're on this board. It's kind of like downtown. Each of you have a little home base where your lab is. Your goal in the game is to create the elixir of life. It's everlasting life, and to do it, you have to brew these three different potions. But to brew the potions, you don't know what the different ingredients will create. They randomize it by in the center of the board, you mix up and shuffle the different potions on this grid. And so you align maybe, let's see, we have uh, a mushroom and a bat's wing, and you mix those together with some gem and you roll a die to see if it creates. And if you're successful, then you flip over the card and see what you made. Oh. And it might be one of the three things that you can use to win the game, the elixir of life, or it might be one of these crazy potions that get 
get you more money on your turn or let you move faster on your turn or do other cool things that augment the game. You can even screw up brewing a potion and the ingredients evaporate and you failed entirely have to go back. (laughs) And along the course of the game, every time you step in the street and don't land inside of a shop, you flip over a stranger card. And the strangers are the wild cards where maybe they're going to give you something nice or maybe they'll offer to buy a potion or maybe you can hire them to attack another wizard. Or maybe they're going to wear your skin as a face mask. What the? (laughs) (laughs) There are some of those kind in here too. They do mess with you, right? So for 1987, you wouldn't know that it was an old game. It plays like any other great board game does. And I couldn't believe I picked it up for just 45 bucks. Playing through it the first time, I talked my wife into playing it with me. And all I could think of the whole way playing through that thing is like, I've got to bring this thing to SFGE for when we're all together so we can play Elixir together. Nice. Because it's that kind of like, screw your neighbor, but learn from them, watch what they're mixing and kind of figure out how your potions are going to work. You can imagine, made by TSR, the legacy of Gary Gygax behind, you know, that those that kind of production. And it's humorous. It's not too dark. It's a fun little game. So if you cool. have a chance to pick it up, you should pick it up. It's called Elixir from 87 you pay for it on ebay but keep your eyes out if you see it anywhere else you know a thrift shop or something worth picking up and i am challenging both of you to the game of elixir next time we all get to all right you're on i'm gonna be the red wizard just so you know that's what i always (laughs) do So that's a board game that I have been playing and enjoying. But George, we're going to talk about another board game that we would like to be playing and yeah, enjoy. Sure. Let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's no surprise that John and I and Mo, I, I'm assuming you probably are too. I don't remember, but uh, we were all fans of a game back from the 80s called Dark Tower. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great game, innovative for its time, mechanical lit up tower that mm-hmm. you spin around while you so play. Cool. You're on a circular board. Seemed very high tech for the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're moving around. You have different situations come up where you have to fight people or things happen to you. Anyway, about, I don't know, is it 700 years ago now at this point? I don't <laughs> I think remember it was, when I this think it was two. I think it was, was it two. Two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 702, same difference. Yeah, same thing. Uh, so there was a Kickstarter that got started called Return mm-hmm. to Dark Tower. And the, John, yep. this was very close to the time where I actually got you a copy of Dark Tower. Not long right? after. Yeah. 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 And it was incredibly expensive. <laughs> for this Kickstarter. Which, oh, the Kickstarter. I thought you meant the game you got For drawn. the Kickstarter. Well, the game well, both of them are expensive, expensive, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so this Kickstarter was expensive. And I think all total, like I said, it's been a lot of time ago. I, I want to say I put 300 or something into this game. It's about right. Um, yep. Bought all the expansion packs that were available, even the stupid little collector coin and the upgraded playboard mat made out of mm-hmm. neoprene and stuff. It's FOMO. Your fear of missing out if you don't buy all the cool stuff. Of course, yeah. That's what I did too. And, yeah. Well, and we've <laughs> talked recently with some people in our Discord server who they said, well, no, I'm going to buy it from my local brick and mortar shop. And that brick and mortar shop didn't get all the stuff. And they and got so screwed. They can't get Yo, it, they, man. you know, because mm-hmm. it's already done with. Yep. And Anyway, we've been waiting two plus years. Well, wow, it's been that just long? this past week, wow. John and I both, we got emails from FedEx and Quartermaster. Your item shipping, is shipping, shipping. Yes. Return to Dark Tower. Holy <gasps> hell, that's awesome. I clicked Ready. on the link and the thing said, I, it was a Wednesday night. It said, it'll be here tomorrow. So Thursday, that was yesterday before we recorded this podcast. Ooh. 
I called my mom who lives across the street. Mom, there's going to be two FedEx boxes sitting on my doorstep. <laughs> Please, as soon as you see them, go put them in my house on the counter or something because mm-hmm. I don't want to take a chance on any porch pirates grabbing this thing and right. taking off with it. So I'm like, okay, that's awesome. I right. go home. I get some stuff done. And then my son, who was uh, over at my mother's house and... Uh, my mother, they come over and they just have this one long kind of tube-like box. And I'm like, there's no tower in that damn thing. I can tell you mm-hmm. that right now. So I go look on the website and the website <laughs> says, I have two tracking numbers, <laughs> two packages on each tracking number, which was weird. I couldn't, I, that didn't make any sense to me. Two packages on each tracking number. So four packages total? On each tracking number. It was a really weird way that FedEx had it listed. And so I'm like, holy crap, one of my packages got stolen. That's had to have what happened because it said delivered on that one line. The other line just said label created and mm -hmm. talked about some weirdness or something. I was like, what? So I reach out to FedEx. They start looking up stuff. They call the driver. Turns out, no, there was just one box delivered. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the only box that was delivered for both myself and for John was the neoprene board mat. Yep. Same deal. No cards. No coins, Mm -hmm. no tokens, no tower, nothing. (laughs) No game to play. Now, it's a a gorgeous three-foot diameter neoprene mat, but all it is is something pretty. I can't do anything with it yet. Just look at it and and wish you had the rest of the game. (laughs) And wish I... It it makes you wish harder that you had the rest of it. That's terrible. (laughs) And I had even put the game on the list to talk about with the anticipation of getting at least one night's worth of play in it. And John was like texting Mm -hmm. me madly, you're getting your game? Why didn't... And then he got the email like an hour later. Oh, I got my email too. Yep. <laughs> it's going to happen. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then it didn't. Yeah. Uh, this game was bought for me two years ago to arrive on my birthday. We're now <laughs> a month past the two year mark of the birthday again. Oh my God. Look how much older you are now. <laughs> yeah. I still don't have the game. And I wanted to talk about it a little bit more in depth because there's a cultural problem that I see with this and with other Kickstarter projects that we have both backed. It seems to me that every damn one of these people, when they do their Kickstarters and they're figuring out their shipping and their logistics and their manufacturing, the people who spend for the least amount the base package always get their things first. That's the trend. Yep. I am the person spending $300 to support you. Right. And yet you're going to make sure the $100 guy is taken care of first. And not just him, all of the $100 people. Yeah. So now let's talk about what those $100 people got. Uh They got a board and a tower. Why can my tower not get here? At the same time, my mat did In advance. Here. At least we could start playing, right? right? They, they have all the bonuses. Well, not even in yeah. advance, just right now. Mm-hmm. Like when that email came out, it's still today on the FedEx website. The label has been created. The company that's shipping it out still hasn't given the box to FedEx. What the hell uh, is going on? It's in Orlando, I guess, because that's where the label is created. <laughs> should I just drive down there? Maybe we should drive thing? to Orlando. Maybe that's the thing. <laughs> but it, it's the culture. And every time I watched very carefully all the emails, and updates about the shipping with this game. Mm-hmm. We know there was a pandemic. We know there were shipping yeah. problems. We know there were manufacturing delays. There's no reason, though, why these things couldn't have been shipped to us 
the tower base at least mm-hmm. and then shipped us our other stuff later they claim we want to ship it to you all at one time well guess what you failed on that <laughs> yeah because i still don't parts. have everything at the same time yeah, yeah that makes yeah. sense because i would think that if i put extra money into backing i should get the basic stuff first Right, right. Yeah, yeah, my stuff should be the priority. The hundred dollars only for the base, or at least get at the same time mm-hmm. as they get it. Right, right. Like, I agree. Then you said, like John said, you could play it, and then when you get the Madden, it's that much better. Right. Yeah, and there's <laughs> there's no reason why your manufacturing can't be worked for all that stuff to be done at a time where it all comes together. It's like working in a restaurant, John, which you did, right? Mm-hmm. Person orders a cheeseburger, right? And it's got fries that come with it. The people in the back know when to time starting the fries versus starting the cheeseburger. So the mm-hmm. whole plate comes out at once. You're going to yep. tell me that you can't figure that out with a two year lead time <laughs> on manufacturing and shipping <laughs> bullshit. I- I'm going to bet that logistically it's probably cheaper for them for some reason. Oh, I'm sure it is. But, that, oh, it's but money still, that, that's besides the point. I think from, I a, from a customer for service, the, yeah, the more expensive a, yes. part. It's a money thing for us too, right? right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I think you are more angry about it than I am, but that's on brand. That's okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm, I'm also frustrated. Because, am I wrong? No. Okay. No, but, you're not. But I'm also frustrated that, look, it's coming on this day and it's not. But I'm okay with like, oh, it's a couple more days behind. Maybe it's coming tomorrow or the next day a little bit misleading but the whole point is yeah i'm a member of the facebook group like you probably are too and you've been watching this this saga unfold if you bought the all in everything all the art prints and the sleeves and all the cool stuff at least if that can't come at the same time i should be among the first to get the base unit because i was a bigger investor that's that and i think that's the point you're making and that i agree with a hundred percent i'm not so upset with fedex i'm sure i don't understand all the nuances of what those tracking numbers i'm not mad at fedex at all okay fedex didn't mess up who messed up was the company behind the kickstarter and the company behind the shipping because they're two different companies in this case right right it's restoration and quartermaster Uh. quartermaster apparently does a crap ton of kickstarter shipping and logistics so they don't have an excuse to not get me my two goddamn boxes here at the same time (laughs) so when do you think we're gonna have dark tower i won't have one according to fedex they still don't even have the box (laughs) but it's in orlando so you're okay there. Well, that's Maybe. where the label was created. For all I know, okay. the damn thing is in Kansas or something. <laughs> that's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict. So I'm recording this. This is this is March 18th. I'm gonna predict that before a week has passed, we will both have our dark tower. I think it's that close. For our next call, we should be able to talk about it then. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yep. I would love for that to be true. I think that's true. I, I hope so. Maybe even tomorrow. We'll see. But uh, if you want to follow this saga, I know we'll talk about Dark Tower again when we have it. <laughs> but if you're not a member of our Discord server, head over to genxrunup.com slash Discord, where we're all ranting about that here already. So you can stay in real time with what's going on with that before we get together again. So awesome. I can't wait. You know, like Elixir, I can't wait to play Dark Tower with you guys. It's going to be a blast. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon.
Land shark. The mighty land shark will have Mechanic for lunch. Yikes! Help! And He-Man for dessert. Shark vehicle is new from the Masters of the Universe collection. Not for use with some figures. Action figures each sold separately from Mattel. Before we put a bow on this episode, it's time to take just a second to talk about the things that we are currently enjoying or looking forward to between now and the next time we all get together. And I'm going to start with you, Mo. What do you have sure. on the horizon? Uh, let's see. Well, uh, my little brother's getting married this weekend. So, ah, yeah. oh, down, congrats. Right near Tampa, awesome. So I'm driving down there to go to a wedding. Which is a nice change of pace. You know, <laughs> have been to many Make weddings. An man of him. Yep. Well done. <laughs> and on the other side, though, I'm looking forward to uh, Morbius is coming out on the 30th of March. Oh, and let me tell you, yeah. though, the, every yep. trip. Trailer I've seen makes you want to see that movie more. I'm hoping it doesn't suck, but it looks like it could be a very good movie. I'm I'm a little I'm 50 50. Yeah, I'm with. I understand yeah, that. Yeah. I understand that. It's, it's probably smart to be cautious, but yeah. But the thing I'm really looking forward to for I don't know why it's actually I do know why it's Moon Knight the series on. No, oh, yeah, the out. new series on Disney Plus. I yeah. love that comic book, and from what I've seen on the trailers. They took it like another step because in the comic mm. book, the guy just he impersonated different people, but it was a very conscious thing. It seems like now he actually has like a dissociative personality disorder. So he actually has multiple personalities mm. and it, it just it looks really cool. It looks kind of dark. It looks a little creepy. It looks weird. I'm really looking forward to it. So it's over in Disney, like yep. all Marvel things. Is Marvel is? Thing. Yeah. OK, yeah. Neat. Right. Yep. So that's what I got. How about you, John? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, the first thing I'm looking forward to <laughs> is getting Dark Tower and starting to play it again. As we mentioned, I mean, I think it's coming so I can taste. It's right there. But on the media front, I need to play catch up on some Star Trek. I've gotten so far behind. We talked before about how much Star Trek there is now. I've got some Picard to catch up on. I got three or four episodes of Discovery. I'm enjoying them, uh, but it's just, it's so much that I just can't keep up. So I got to catch up on my Star Trek. I'm looking forward to doing that, hopefully this weekend. And then the last one I'm looking forward to is in the theaters. This is a new film called The Lost City, starring uh, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. This is, it looks almost like a modern romancing the stone a little bit. She's an author that writes these romantic novels and Channing Tatum plays the kind of the, uh, the Fabio who's on the cover of the books. Yeah. <laughs> right. People associate him with the character, but it turns out something she's written about connects with real treasure hunters. They want her to help find this thing she's been writing about. So she's out of her element and hilarity ensues. That's many things like that. Uh, Coming to theaters, that's on the 25th. Cool. So uh, just uh, just a couple days after this show drops. George, what about you? What do you got coming up? Uh, Yeah, so... I am also looking forward to getting the rest of my damn dark tower. I'm going to say it a little bit more harshly. Fair. Because okay. yeah. <laughs> I definitely feel it. Uh, one of the other things that I'm looking forward to is playing more of my quest calendar. I've mentioned it on the podcast oh, yeah, once yeah. or twice already. Yeah. It is getting me so much more into the role playing mood that I even asked on discord about, you know, starting up online uh, RPG stuff, maybe being a dungeon master or something for Dungeons and Dragons, uh, figuring out all the different online virtual platforms for doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting a lot of great advice. So thank you guys uh, when you listen to this, that I'm really appreciating all the advice you're giving me. The last thing that I'm looking forward to is an anime series that I've been waiting for a couple of years for its season two, and it's called The Rising of the Shield Hero. Oh, so this is one yeah. where the character gets magically transported to another land, another dimension, another world, whatever you want to call it. And in this world, he embodies this character called the shield hero. There are other shield heroes that have different weapons associated with them. These different 
characters, the shield hero is the one who is thought of in the least way because his thing is not considered a weapon. It's considered, you know, just a shield, a Mm, defensive mechanism. First season was really, really good. It's based on manga. Of course, I haven't read the manga yet, but I'm told that it's a really good read. Uh, This first season was awesome, but it's been two years. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. It's finally coming out. So for most people in America, you'll probably have to watch it on Crunchyroll, which is a great Mm -hmm. platform on watching Mm -hmm. animated series. You can watch them in their original Japanese. Uh, Most times they also have an English language format. Um, They have subtitles. So it it does cost a little bit of a premium, but they also have a free version. You just have to wait a little bit longer. But yeah, really looking forward to the Rising of S.H.I.E.L.D. here. All right. A lot of good stuff coming up on the horizon. And I'm sure we'll feed topics for upcoming episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get out of this episode, though, I want to take just a second to thank another supporter. I don't know what's in the water. I don't know what it is, but I hope it keep continues. We're what? running a trend of supporters just giving us a raise. Existing oh. supporters deciding they want to support us further. Longtime supporter Curl Bro mm-hmm. was supporting us at a level. He just made up a number, like around seven <laughs> bucks. He's bumped up. that up to $10 now. Wow. Thank just you. In, I was just last month. He bumped that up. Thank you so much wow. to you and everyone who supports us over there. It means the world to us to, to really put your money where your mouth is. It's not just, yeah, you guys are doing great, but you're doing great. And we want to support what you're doing to keep you motivated and keep it going. And Curl Bro, that's exactly what you did by giving us a little raise there. So appreciative that's awesome. of that. Oh, yeah. That is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. Don't worry, though. We'll be back in two weeks with another one. <laughs> and next week, though, is our backtrack. And that's where you take a single nostalgic topic and dig in deep. Coming up next week is one suggested by a fourth listener. We're going to be running down some of our favorite and most memorable 1980s era detective TV shows. Oh, wow. You probably have a few of those in your mind now that start dun, popping. Dun, dun. Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure we're going to run through some of those and more, so you don't want to miss that one. That's going to be... Oh, and one more thing, as Columbo would say, that's going to be coming <laughs> on Thursday. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know, I appreciate you, man. And always fun. And fourth listener, it is you. We all appreciate most of all. And we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Return to Dark Tower, which is now shipping to backers like us. <laughs> and so much more coming your way March 24th. Don't miss it. <laughs> like us, but not us. <laughs> a very nice emphasis. Well done. <laughs> Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listeners to the episode. The episode is the name of this the episode. episode. The episode. It's a merge of this episode. I'm going to try that again. That was the episode. Three, two. If you would like your email featured here on the show, just hit us up at Gen X Grown Up at Pod. What? Oh, no. What? <laughs> We try that over time. This episode. <laughs> this episode. There we are. Three, two. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. 
I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.